Colossians chapter 1 and look in verse 10. He said that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, <coughs> even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the, uh, the, head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled. Praise the Lord for that. In the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that uh, which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which had been hid from the ages, from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Boy, ain't that good. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. You can be seated this morning. Heavenly Father, I beg of you to help us this morning. And I pray that you'd come by and just touch us for just a little while. Lord, we certainly stand in need of you. And Lord, we're depending on you to help us while we might preach. I pray if there's one here lost that you'd save them. I pray that if there's somebody that has a need that you'd come by and meet that need. Save somebody that's lost. Strengthen somebody. And Lord, we'll give you the glory. Save that sinner that's near his tail for these things in Jesus' name. We do ask and do pray. Amen. And amen. Here in the verses that I've read as the Apostle Paul expounded really uh, on a lot right here in these verses. He gave us a lot about the Lord Jesus Christ in just a short amount of time. And uh, he tells us that he has delivered, if we come back and he tells us to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, not worthy of ourself, uh, but that of the Lord, and to be fruitful uh, in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we're to learn about him, and as we learn about him, I believe we will increase 
uh, in the fruit of the Lord. And he tells us how we're strengthened uh, with all might according to his glorious power. And so it is by his power that we have strength and we have might. And then he said, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Now that's something all of us need in this life. There's no doubt about that. As we have the strength of God in our life. And by the way, the book of Nehemiah said it is the joy of the Lord uh, that is our strength this morning. Uh, and so he says right here that, that we're by his glorious power and strengthened with his might. He said, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. You know, if you have to have patience and long suffering with a situation or with a person, sometimes it's hard to have joy, ain't it? I mean, the Bible said that tribulation worketh patience. Uh, how many of us can be joyful uh, uh, in tribulation? Uh, how many of us can have joyfulness uh, uh, when the world seems to be falling down around us? But he says to have patience and long suffering with joyfulness. You know, when we know the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uh, you can have joyfulness even in bad times. I mean, there's something that dwells down on the inside of us. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. I've had the mullet grubs. I, I, I've been down. I, I couldn't get up. And I've been going through hard times, it seems. I, I, but I'm telling you, there's somebody uh, that reigns and lives on the inside uh, that can help your joy uh, in hard times. Amen. Thank God for that. But then he said to give thanks unto the Father. Why? He said, He hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of saints in light. You know, you're going to read about that, that He has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us unto the kingdom of His dear Son. And so He's gave us an inheritance over there. I, I meet to be partakers of the inheritance of saints in light. I mean, we've got the riches of His glory. I mean, we, we have inherited heaven. We have inherited Him, if I could say that, and, and His glory. But He has not only done that, but notice that He delivered us uh, uh, from the power of darkness. I looked over that when I was studying this, uh, and I wrote it down that He delivered us from darkness. Amen. That's what I wrote down. And then I had to go back, and I, that's not what the verse said. The verse said that He delivered us from the power of darkness. Not only did He deliver us from darkness, but He delivered us from the power uh, and that of Satan that was uh, ever evident in our life uh, and how He could control us and have us uh, and was going to de and, and destroy us. Uh, he delivered us from all that. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. Well, I didn't, I didn't know this introduction was going to preach like this. Amen. I didn't know that. I knew there's a lot of good verses in here. But He delivered us from the power of darkness, but then translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So we've been placed in Him. Then one of the greatest verses in the Bible talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, in whom? Talking about Him. We have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Boy, ain't that wonderful because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It goes on to tell us down here how that not only by His blood did He forgive us and not only did He redeem us, but I believe it's in verse 20 that it says, and having made peace uh, uh, through the blood of His cross by Him to reconcile all things uh, unto Himself. And so He forgave us. He bought us, forgave us. And by His blood made peace. What do you mean made peace? Made peace between us and God. He stood out like this. They hung him on an old rugged cross. Do you think that that was by accident? I mean, friend, he took our hand and God's hand and put us together in him this morning. 
Thank God for that. But he made peace. He reconciled us. You know what that means? That means to put people back on a friendly state. He reconciled us. See, we were not, we were enemies and we were at enmity, the Bible said, uh, with God. That's the quality of being an enemy. Uh, and he said, we were at enmity with God at one point. And then he says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? You know, Philip in John chapter 14, after Jesus uh, said, you believe in God, believe God. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Uh, he said, if I go away, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Uh, he, said, if, uh, he said, I'll go to a prior place for you. Uh, and then he went on to say, if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Uh, and then one of them said, Lord, we, we don't know whether thou goest uh, uh, nor the way. And we find that great verse over there where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But by the time we get down to verse 8, uh, Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou, then, show us the Father? What did Paul say in the book of Colossians? He is what? What is he? Who is the image of the invisible God? Well, when you see Christ, you see God the Father. Boy, he said, Philip, I've been so long with you that you've not seen the Father. Boy, he's ever. Let me ask you something this morning. When folks see us, who do they see? Who do they see? Are we not supposed to be uh, uh, and that his son or his daughter uh, and that birthed into the family of God? Uh, and then we find he is the creator in verse 16. I'm going to get somewhere. It says, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. It didn't matter. He talks about thrones and dominions and principalities and powers. He said all things were created by Him and for Him. So at Genesis chapter 1, Christ Jesus is ever present because all things were created by Him and for Him. Boy, I'm telling you, I believe we see it. I, I, in the beginning, God created the heaven I, and the earth. And it goes on down there to tell us I, I, how that the Spirit of God moved. I, and then it tells us that He said, And let there be light. And there wasn't a sun nor a moon when He said, Let there be light. Who is the light of the world today? The Lord Jesus Christ. And so we find He is the Creator. And so He comes on down through here and uh, talks about what, what He is in the Father and what we've gained and what we've got. I love that in you that we're sometimes in verse 21 alienated. Alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath He now reconciled. He put us back together. And Paul talks about the gospel. And talks about what we have in the gospel. How that it is Christ in us. That hidden mystery in verse 26, and I preached on that not too long ago, and uh, verse 27, which uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory. But I want to look, I want to look in verse 18 and in verse 24. And the Bible said, and He is the head of the body, the church. Look in verse 24, and as the Apostle Paul talks about His afflictions, he said, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for His body's sake, which is the church. 
And if I could preach and for just a little bit, and I, I'm going to try to uh, get this one part done today and maybe preach on some more tonight. I don't know what the Lord would have us to do. But I want to preach having a thought on are you a part of the church? Because he said that the body of Christ right here in verse 18, uh, he said, and he is the head of the body, the church. I remember when Brother Ralph come and preached revival for us, uh, uh, he talked about how that when Christ lived, uh, he left a body. Uh, we are now his hands uh, and his feet and his mouth uh, uh, up on this earth. That's what we are. Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, when it talks about the body of Christ over there. Uh, uh, how that we're all part of the body. Uh, we just have different members of the body. You have a hand, you have feet, you got a nose, an ear, and a eye, and we all can't be the eye, and we all can't be the nose. Because he said, if, if we're all the eye, then where's the smelling, you know? It takes all of us. Do you realize that today, that it takes all of us in service to Christ? I believe that if you're saved today and you're trying to follow Him, I, I, I believe that you can, uh, uh, by the will of God and the help of God, uh, uh, be uh, uh, take part, uh, uh, and, and let me say I can say this, uh, uh, and be an advantage uh, uh, for the cause of Christ in the body of Christ. I don't want to be a disadvantage or a hindrance to the body of Christ. When it comes to the body of Christ, we know there is the church. By the way, I want you to think about this. I'm getting ahead of myself. But when he came, he knew that he was going to establish a church. We didn't know that. That, that had been, I mean, listen, men and women and the prophets of old did not know that nor realize that because Paul over and over and over again <clears throat> calls it a mystery. Uh, and he said even the mystery which have been hid from ages uh, and from generations, but now is made manifest to his sons. And that's putting the Jew and Gentile into one body. And Christ residing in us. Can I say this this morning? That if you're saved, you belong to the body of Christ. You belong to the church. There are so many people out there wanting to belong uh, uh, to something. They're wanting to have a feeling of acceptance. Uh, uh, listen, I'm not, uh, listen, uh, uh, Christ accepts folk uh, however they are when they come uh, uh, to get saved. Amen. Don't matter what you are, who you are, how you're living, if you come to get saved, uh, He'll save you uh, and forgive you. Boy, aren't you thankful of that today? But I'm going to tell you, after you get saved, He ain't going to accept you just any old way. He's not, and I'm going to deal with that here in a minute. Uh, uh, and and, and I, he just don't. I, I, you say, well, God, he does. I, I listen, God does care about what we are and who we are uh, uh, in him this morning. When it comes to the church, uh, he ordained it. Uh, he made it. Uh, he sanctified it for his use uh, and expects us to live for him. So we see the body of Christ in particular. And then we have the local assembly. That we call the church. Unity Baptist Church. It's where I pastor at. Where you're a member at. If you're not and you're coming here, you ought to be. Amen. Amen. 
I mean, if you're going to stick around with us, you ought to be a member here. That's just the thing. You ought to say, I'm going to hang my shingle right here. Here's where I love God. I, I love these people and they're trying to serve God and I want to serve with them. First uh, Corinthians chapter 16 talks about the church that is in Aquila and Priscilla's house. Uh, Philemon talks about, and he said, and our beloved, Aphia uh, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy so they had local assemblies and we understand that. The church at Ephesus, the church at Corinth, the church at Galatia, and Macedonia, and, and Laodicea, and, uh, and Thyatira, and all those that we see, those were local assemblies, you see, and churches scattered out. Most people, I won't say most people, some people don't think uh, that we ought to have a local assembly. We serve Christ uh, out there however we can. I believe that He not only ordained the body of Christ, I do believe that He ordained the local assembly. I do. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be here this morning. And I believe that you should care for the local assembly and the people of it. Amen. And there are those who take part in the local assembly and those uh, who do not. But that's another message. You may preach on that tonight. But let me say this. You can be part of the local assembly, but never be part of the body of Christ. And being part of this local assembly is not going to get you to heaven, nor is it going to make a change in your life. But you're going to have to be part of the body of Christ. And that comes to know Him. In salvation. Amen. So I want to deal with a couple of things this morning. Take your Bible and go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. You should know these verses. Very uh, familiar verses. We preach on them uh, from time to time. And uh, he's talking about husband and wives. But he's also talking about uh, the relationship of Christ in the church. Now, if uh, you know, if folk don't think you ought to get married today, if you, if you don't want to get married because you want to serve Christ and live your life for Christ, that's one thing. Uh, but, uh, but to say that God didn't ordain marriage, I'm going to tell you uh, his relationship uh, that, that he, he gives an example of between him and the church is between a wife and a husband and husband and a wife. As a matter of fact, and one thing that in my marriage ceremony that I do, uh, one thing that I bring out, the very first miracle that he ever done was at the marriage of Canaan. Uh, I'm just being honest. Uh, and one day after a while, the church is the bride of Christ uh, uh, is going to come into union in that uh, with the bridegroom. Amen. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's look in Ephesians chapter 5. Begin to read with me in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ says. Well, preacher, why can't we start back with the wives? I'll deal with that. Don't worry. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for you. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Well imagine how much Christ loves us. He said husbands you ought to love your wife as you love your own body. Imagine how much Christ loves us. You say, what do you mean? Just stay with me. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, what? The church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. In Christ's ordination of the church and in Christ's uh, uh, making of the church, I, I want you to look in verse 25. Uh, uh, first of all, Christ's love for the church. 
What does the Bible say right there? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and what? Gave Himself for it. Most of y'all know this. It was a sacrificial love, wasn't it? Did He not give Himself? Hey, listen, the whole reason... Christ came to this earth. I was to die for sinners. It was to save sinners, but yet to make them part of the body of Christ. He did not leave me the way that He found me. He did not leave me alone, but then He put me in a family, into a body of like-minded believers. Amen. That thrills my heart. Think about how much he loved us. Think about how much He loved us to reconcile us back to God and how much He loved us to die for us. What was it? Romans 5 and 8, But God commenced His love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Always think about Ruth and Boaz. Boaz was a kinsman redeemer. Ruth was just a Moabitess woman. She really had no business being in Bethlehem, she really had no business being in the congregation of the righteous. But here she comes back and that with uh, Naomi. Uh, uh, and, and, and the one's the difference between uh, uh, Ruth and a lot of them. She tell, told this to Naomi. Uh, uh, she said, thy God will be my God. Now I don't know if she knew what kind of statement she was making right there. Uh, but boy, she said a mouthful when she said it. And boy, when she got back, uh, there wasn't nobody there to hardly take care of them. Uh, and Naomi knew some things about the law uh, uh, and said, we've got a kinsman redeemer. Hey, yeah, I, love, I love Ruth. Take your Bible and go to Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to park for just a little while right here because I love this. And I love the way that the Bible words it. It's in the time of the judges, you know. But Ruth chapter that order. I'm telling you, when you read the book of Ruth, and and I'm always very careful about interjecting myself into the Bible, uh, because sometimes we don't interject into the Bible uh, exactly right and in right places and under right doctrine sometimes, and we'll make doctrine out of things that ain't applying to us. But I'm going to tell you, I can interject myself and that into Ruth over here uh, uh, because uh, she had nothing. Uh, she wasn't nothing but no Gentile uh, uh, that knew nothing about God. God wasn't going to save them uh, uh, except through Israel. Uh, and that's the only way it's going to happen, friend. It's Bezerra. you got to get that. And the only way God's going to save sinners today is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to watch Ruth chapter 2. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. I love the way that the Bible describes him. First of all, how does it describe him? A kinsman of her husband, and that's important later on, but then what's your Bible say? A mighty man of wealth. Does the Lord Jesus not have riches in glory today? Keep on reading with me here in verse 2. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. Boy, that's important too. Our kinsman is rich, but he has grace, don't he? And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. Now what's your Bible? And her hat was to what? Was to lie on the part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Her happenstance. It just so happened that she landed 
in Boaz's field. You know, kind of like it just so happens you're here this morning. Not like it just so happened. Hey, it wasn't no accident. I, I listen now. Here she is, and she's over here in Boaz's field. And then you want to know what happened? I, I, the Bible said this. I, I, the, and, and, and the Lord and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said, "The reapers, the Lord be with you." And they answered him, "The Lord bless thee." And then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, "Whose damsel is this?" Boy, he began to take notice of her, didn't he? Ain't you glad for the day that Jesus Christ took notice of you? Boy, he seen you in the state that you was in. He knew this wasn't one of his damsels. He knew this wasn't part of his crowd. Uh, but he knew that she's out here gleaning uh, and she's needing something. And then said Boaz, whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabite's damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So that she came and hath continued even from morning until now. And she turned a little while in my house. And Boaz, then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in any other field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. And let thine eyes, uh, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And that boy protected her, didn't he? Uh, and, and when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink. That which the young men have drawn. You get thirsty, you can go drink. Why ain't that good? And then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I what? Found grace in thine eyes, and thou should take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. Well, you remember the night, the day that you really realized that he took notice of you? I, I, I mean, I forget that so much sometimes that I think that, boy, I'm really doing something for him, I, that I'm working for him, that I'm serving him. I, I, boy, I forget sometimes that he found me when I was nothing, I, and I'm still nothing, and I was nobody, and I'm still a nobody. I, I, but, boy, thank praise be to him I, I, that he had grace on me, I, I, and he saved me, and he keeps me, and he protects me. Amen. Thank God for that. Boy, you go on down through here. And you can read and you can see that as she went and she gleaned out in the field. And you read the next chapter. So she took home, what was it, about a little over five gallons of, of, of barley. And the next verse you find out that uh, in all the work she took home about five gallons roughly uh, Somewhere in there, but boy, when she went and waited his feet uh, uh, over there at the threshing floor, uh, uh, and he filled up, he filled up her veil. Uh, uh, you'll find out that she took home about ten gallons, and you'll find that a lot of times uh, uh, you'll get more uh, laying at the feet of Jesus at His feet uh, uh, than you'll ever get in serving. I ain't saying you shouldn't serve. Uh, I'm talking about what you did. Amen. Wasn't it, wasn't it, wasn't it Mary over there? Martha was coming about with much service, uh, and she was trying to serve the Lord and get things ready for Him. Uh, and she said, Lord, would you just go tell my sister uh, how to help me? And Jesus said, Mary had chosen the good part. The service can wait, but you need to be at my feet. I don't know how we got there, but boy, Christ loves the church as a husband, should love his wife and give himself for it. Galatians 2 and 20, very familiar scripture. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who what? Who loved me and gave himself for me. And greater love hath no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. 
John chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. A hundred percent of the time, the sheep give their life for the shepherd. He's the only shepherd that ever come to give his life for the sheep. Ain't that something this morning? As I studied this and looked at the relationship between the husband and the wife and the relationship that Christ has with the church and how that we're part of the church, I was reminded of Adam and Eve in the Old Testament. The Bible said in Romans 5, Nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Adam was the figure of Christ that was to come. He was the figure of Him first in perfection in the garden, but He was the figure of Him of the one that was going to have to come and take sin for His wife. What do you mean? 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible said, and so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul, and the last Adam, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Bible said, For Adam was first formed, and then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Here stands Eve, and she's carrying on a conversation uh, with the devil. I mean, she's standing there talking to him. And, and she knew what the Word of God said. Adam had told her. I mean, he said that, that, that uh, you, don't, you don't need to, to eat of it. Uh, uh, and she even went as far and said, he told me not to touch it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And Satan lied to her, thou shalt not surely die. But he doth know that in the day that thou eatest thereof, that thy eyes should be open, thou shalt be made as gods. And so the Bible says that when she seen that thing, I don't know if it's an apple tree, I don't know how we got to call it an apple, but it was a piece of fruit. And the Bible said that she partook of it. I want you to read this for yourself. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 because I want to make my point real good. Because I'm going to show you the love of Christ right here. Genesis 3 and verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it's pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat. She was deceived. Satan deceived her. But now read what your Bible says. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now Paul tells us here at one point that Adam was formed, then Eve and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. You would think that maybe she had to stand there and talk him into it. Adam was not deceived. I only, know how, I only know how to read that one way. Do you know how I read that? He knew what he was doing when he done it. She didn't know what she was doing. She was deceived. She had all these things in her mind of what was going to happen. But Adam knew that when he partook of that fruit, he knew exactly what was going to happen. But here stands his wife that has partook of that fruit. Who has what? Become a sinner. I, listen, they were perfect. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know how to, how to even say that they were perfect upon this earth. It was a perfect people living on a perfect earth. I don't know how. I don't know. I, I, my mind cannot fathom that, but that's how it was. But here stands Adam before his wife, and she's got a piece of fruit in her hand, uh, and she's different. 
than what she was just a few minutes ago. You can't partake of sin and not be different. I remember hearing Mitchell Jones preach one time. I remember him preaching. He said, I believe that her blood even changed colors. I don't know if that's true or not, but I believe she changed. I mean, here stands this woman. She's different than what she was. You can't partake of it and not be different. I mean, they were perfect. But here stands Adam looking at his wife. And if he's going to stay with his wife and have his wife, he's going to have to partake of that sin. You know what he does? He reaches over there not being deceived. He ate of that fruit. And you know what? I believe he done it all for his wife. Boy, now let me tell you something. What do you think Christ done for us when he left heaven? Hmm? Think about that for just a second. Listen, he knew what he was doing. Me and you didn't understand sin. We didn't know about that. We were deceived into sin. We were born that way. Hey, listen, we didn't ask for that stuff. But here we are. And we were deceived in all these things. But yet Christ came. Knowing what he was coming for. Knowing what he was going to have to bear. You're talking about husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I believe you see that in Adam. I believe you see Adam giving his life over to death for Eve, just as sure as you see Christ giving his self over to us so that he could save us. Make a make a make a relationship uh, with us. Listen, that ought to thrill us today how much He loved us and gave Himself for us. Listen, I love that today that Jesus took our sin to Calvary and paid for it. He took our sin upon Himself and made us part of the family of God. What was it? John chapter 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, He said, Marvel not that I say unto you that you must be born again. What was it Peter said? Uh, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. John chapter 1. He came unto his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even them that believe on his name. He made us part of the family of God when you got saved. If you don't know him today, you can certainly come to know him. He said, husbands, love your wives, even as what? Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I'll never, never, never be able to thank him enough for dying for me. For dying for me. Do you realize that he, he done it for me, but he done it for us? And friend, one day after a while, uh, we're going to be presented unto him as the bride of Christ, as of a church. As we go on down through here and we look, what did he say? That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. I'll deal with it here in a minute. That he might, look in verse 26 of the text of, well, of Ephesians, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. We see the love of the church, but then we see the cleansing of the church. <clears throat> well, you come to know Christ, uh, things are a little different. Things are a little different. Now one day after a while, we're going to be presented to Him. What What did it say right here? Sanctified and cleansed. Now here's a good thing about your King James Bible. Listen to me now. You'll miss something. Your King James Bible is the best dictionary on the King James Bible. Do you know that sanctification and cleansing is basically the same thing? I mean, if you look it up, I mean, if you actually go look up what the word sanctification means, it literally means to cleanse or purify or to make holy. 
And then it also means to separate or to set apart for a holy use. So he said he's going to what? He's going to sanctify us. He's going to clean us. Set us apart for what? He is use. Right? What's your body for? Well, you use it, don't you? And by the way, if your body does not do what your head tells it to do, there's something wrong somewhere between here and here. Right? Now, I've had a few times that that I was telling it to do something, and it would not do it. There's been a few times that this thing was telling this thing to shut up, and it would not do it. Get you in trouble. You know, He is the head of the body, which is the church. And I'll guarantee you, when He's telling us to do something or not do something, and we're not doing it, it ain't His fault. It ain't His problem. It's our problem today. But He cleansed us. And uh, that word cleanse, not only does it mean to make clean, but it means to remove the filth out of, you know. So we come and we look that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the Word. Do you realize that it's the body of Christ that we have been set apart and cleaned for His use. He wants to use us while we're here. He loved us enough to die for us and to make the church. I mean, man, He loved the church so much they died. But then He wants to use us while we're here. Do you realize that He wants to use Unity Baptist Church? Uh, listen, uh, uh, to be more than just a place that sits on the side of the road. Amen. He does. I mean, now he wants us to, uh, to to preach the gospel and teach the gospel, and uh, to teach men and women uh, uh, and that of doctrine and the Bible. Uh, uh, but friend, he wants to use us uh, uh, to go out and win others. <coughs> but we've been set aside for his use, but just not set aside. But we've been cleansed and set aside. Let me say this: that when I got saved. And you got saved. We've been made clean in the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelations 1 and 5. Y'all Lord know it unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Our sins have got washed away. And in the sight of the Lord we can never be impure. We can never be dirty again. We can never be lost again. We can never have that filth again. Our friend, because we have been saved and sealed unto the day of redemption. But personally, how clean are we personally? See, when he sees the church, he sees Christ, and I'm part of the church. And he's filtered by the blood. But let me ask you, how clean are we personally? Paul talks about, when he's talking about the gospel in 2 Corinthians 4, he talks about how we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. This thing in an earthen vessel. But then he says this in 2 Timothy 2. He said, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver and of wood and of earth and of some to honor and some to dishonor. And if a man be purged of these things, you can go back and look at everything he's talking about being purged from, he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the Master's use prepared unto every good work. So personally, how cleansed are we? Now saved, we're, we're, we're saved. Never can be lost but how clean are we? I want to be a vessel unto honor and what? Used for the master. 
be good for the master to use. As I studied this, I thought about, you know, it's hard to clean somebody up that don't want to be cleaned up. Now you can't make people come and get saved. If they don't want to repent, they don't have to repent. And Christ is not going to make anybody repent. But you know, even after they get saved, for some people it's hard for them to get cleaned up of some things. Oh, I know the Lord. He changes them from the inside. I, I understand all that. But you know, he talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new. And, uh, have, have any of y'all ever tried, and I'm sure mom and daddy's in here, you know, when your children just don't want that wash rag and they need it. Man, we used to have what, what was called, man, we played in the dirt growing up, man. And, and my mother called them granny bees. We'd get, we'd get to sweating and get so much dirt on us at the same time. And she'd take that washcloth and, and she wasn't gentle with some things. And buddy, she'd start scrubbing. I don't think she'd done that, but I mean, she'd start working on us, you know. Can I tell you sometimes to clean some things out of our life, it, it's, it don't always feel good. And sometimes it's hard to get there. But as we grow and mature in the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand that, hey, we, we don't walk around dirty if we can help it. I understand working. I get all that. I know that. But that's not what I'm talking about right now. You try to get cleaned up, don't you? And we understand those. Listen, I got some, I got some pipe dope on me the other day. I was pipe fitting. And I got some pipe dope. And if you ever get that rector seal number five on you, uh, and I had it in three spots on my arm, and it had been there all day, and it had leached in, and dirt had attracted itself to it, and it will. It's just, just, and, and, and by the time I got home, you could, you could wipe the top of it off. But then that stuff is leached into you at that point. And so I had to take a wash rag and soap, and wash rag and soap just won't do the trick. I mean, you, you wipe it, but it ain't coming off. You know what you got to do? you got to scrub it. That don't feel good sometimes. You want know to do it because a red spot on you sometimes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you got to get down there and you got to clean. Hey, there's some things in some people's lives uh, that, friend, you've held on to uh, because you've not wanted to have to deal with the scrubbing. I have held on to some things over the years because I've not wanted to deal with the scrubbing. It ain't going to feel real good. What sin are we holding on to? You've got to deal with the dirt in your life and the sin in your life. It may be bitterness for some people. But he said in Hebrews 12, Wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lest lay aside every weight in sin, which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. He said you've got to lay aside that sin, that weight and that sin, that what does so easily beset you. I remember years ago, uh, I believe we were building our house. And so I say that because it kind of keeps a time frame on me. So it had been in late 2002, 2003, and I was studying for a message here and trying to get some things just straightened up between me and the Lord. And I'd, my pastor had called me and talked to me, and I said, I'm just trying to get some things straightened up between me and the Lord and let Him fix some things. And man, just as soon as I said that, 2 Corinthians 7, he bounces out that verse. He said, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, he said, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the Spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. He said, Let us. There's some things you have to take the initiative of. 
there's some things you know that by Bible preaching and by Bible teaching and by simply reading your Bible does not belong in your life. And you need to get shed of it. How do you know that? That He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the Word. That's why some people hate Bible preaching and Bible teaching. They can't stand it. Why? It starts to knock the dirt off of them. And they can't handle the scrubbing. The more you're exposed to the Bible, whether it's in reading, whether it's in Bible preaching or Bible teaching, uh, the more that it will start to clean on you. What was it? In, in the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 119, uh, he said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. But then look at the last part right here real quick. Notice what it says. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy. And without blemish. Do you realize that there's coming a day? And I'm talking about, are you part of the church? Part of the church. He he loved us enough to die for us. But then he done what? He he done what? Looked at the sanctification, the cleansing of the church, but then the presentation of the church. There's coming a day that first of all, he presents us as a glorious church. Well, sometimes church ain't too glorious, is it? Why? He's talking about a perfect church right there. Now the church in Christ is perfect now. And one day it will be perfect then. But he said a glorious, a glorious church. He's going to present it to himself as a glorious church. You know that means exalted in excellence or splendor. Now, if, if you go over and you read the book of the Revelation about how that the bride is presented over there. What a day. The bride is going to be put on display for a time over there. You can go over there and you can read all that and see about that, how that we're uh, put on display over there in the new city Jerusalem and all of that. <clears throat> but I want you to look at something right here. He said that he might present it to himself. It's himself that is important. See, we make the wedding day so much about the bride and the bridegroom never gets hardly anything a lot of times. But do you realize over there that it's, it's about the bridegroom? Now it's about the bride. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, he's going to present it to himself a glorious church. But it's to himself. About the bridegroom. I want to be a glorious church now. Not having what? Spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And that, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Imagine there how we're presented that day. You know the Apostle Paul said, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. We're going to be presented to Christ as a bride one day. Holy and without spot, without blemish. Notice how he said, not having spot or wrinkle. And then he said this, this caught my attention, or any such thing. If it even looks like a spot or a wrinkle, it won't even be there. What should we be striving for now? What should we be striving for now? He said that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. Well, can you imagine that day when the church is presented to him? They tell me in the Jewish wedding that, especially in Bible times, that the bridegroom would go to get a spouse 
to his bride. And then he would go away. He would leave her to make all her preparations, to start to sew her dress, and he would go back to prepare the home place. Jesus said, Do not chart be troubled. Believing God, believe also in me. For in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go away, and if I go, he said, and I go to prepare a place for you. And he said, if I go away, I shall come again and receive you unto myself. What do you think he's doing? The bridegroom has went away to make preparation. He's went away. He talks about the five foolish and the five wise virgins over there and uh, how that, that they're waiting for the bridegroom to come. He's talking about a wedding. And he comes when folk were not expecting him. And then the idea and the thought was is that the bride would be ready at any time. He could come at morning, night, didn't matter. He could just show up. And somebody would say, the bridegroom cometh. And then the bride's party, the marriage party, the wedding party would be there. Do you realize there's coming a day that he's coming to get us and in that day we'll be presented to him as a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Kind of wonder if this will be after the judgment seat but that it should be holy and without blemish. Let me read on and I'm going to close. He said to all men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Men, it do us good to know that and to understand that and then practice that. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but watch this right here, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. How much he takes care of us now. Not only then, but now. He nourishes us and cherishes us. You know why? Because we are so precious. Under the Lord this morning. You're precious. What do you mean I'm precious? You're precious because he died for you and gave his life for you. Let's bow our heads this morning.